0: We're going to continue today our series of teachings concerning the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The book, The Life of the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos, which is published by a monastery in Colorado, Holy Apostles' Convent. One of the sources, and of course the most authoritative source, for everything that we believe about Mary is the holy scriptures. We start with the holy scriptures and everything else is supportive of the scriptures. With the exception of St. Paul, <coughs> with the exception of St. Paul, all the writers of the New Testament were eyewitnesses to the words and deeds of Christ. Until the Gospels, Epistles, Acts of the Apostles, and the Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation, were written, the early Christian community abided by oral tradition. St. John Chrysostom, who lived from 354 to 407, writes that this, this tradition of the Church is passed on not only in written documents, but in unwritten form. After the Holy Apostles were directly instructed by the Lord, they in turn appointed others to perpetuate these traditions. We have a reference to this by St. Paul when he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, I delivered to you that which was delivered to me that on the night in which Christ was betrayed. And he went on to recite the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. would not be until the 4th century that the 27 canonical books of the New Testament were officially compiled and distributed in one collection. Thus, for many generations, the Christians lived by the authority of oral tradition and the writings of the early fathers. So that's very very key to note when we start talking about these other sources of tradition about Mary. Many sources of what we know about Mary existed before the canonical scriptures were kind of canonized, so to speak. <clears throat> Although the complete theme of the Theotokos has not been left to us in writing as part of the apostolic preaching, yet the mystery of Christ's mother was always revealed to the children of the church. The mystery was then, then gradually blossomed in orthodox tradition, sacred arts, and the hypnography of the church. Some of the earliest holy men whom we have quoted herein in this book will be St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Justin Martyr, St. Irenaeus of Lyons, and St. Hippolytus. We have continued to present extracts of other righteous ones up to these latter times. So this book will present extracts of writings of the great Orthodox hierarchs, confessors, ascetics, and hymnographers concerning the Theotokos and Ever-Virgin Mary. Their teachings, <clears throat> purity of doctrine, and holiness of life have been lauded by the Church. Thus, these doctors of the Church are, in a sense, teachers who open in the midst up the mysteries of faith. They did not compose the Scriptures, but dedicated themselves to their interpretation in homilies, treaties, and hymns to promote and defend the Orthodox veneration of the Mother of God. Father Josiah Trenum has often said, when you want to read something really good, read, don't worry about the PhD at the end or the Doctor of Theology or whatever titles you might have at the end. Just look for the ST on the front for saint. That's your most reliable source. And this book, this large, thick book is chock full of quotes from the saints. These are the experts, these are the trustworthy witnesses. Although patristic literature is considered the basis for explaining and commenting on the Holy Bible, yet other ancient writings will contain some sources of Christian truths. Orthodox patristic literature, hymnography, and iconography Are the indispensable depositories and custodians of the truths and traditions concerning the teaching on the Virgin Mother. You know this is very this is very powerful to think that we have two thousand years of tradition of what to believe about Christ and the Most Holy Theotokos and the Church, and it's all expressed in harmonious way through the iconography, in other words, the paintings on the walls of ancient churches, especially the ancient churches and monasteries, the ancient hymnography, the hymns that are sung in the churches down through the centuries, and then the combined witness of all the Holy Fathers who wrote on commentaries on the Holy Scriptures. Compare that with our dear friends in the Protestant tradition who have only the Bible and each person, each um, sincere and dedicated Christian approaches that Holy Bible from their own perspective and ability and to the best of their ability with integrity try to interpret what it means. And they may have some contemporary pastors who've written books that are sold by Barnes & Noble and Amazon, and they might read those books too and try to understand what they're reading in the Bible. But they do not have this fountain of tradition that we have that has existed for nearly 2,000 years that is in complete harmony with itself. In other words, they, they may have come to a lot of Protestants may come to a lot of different sources that will disagree about some certain things because they're coming from different perspectives. But in the Orthodox Church, we find a harmony in the patristic writings of the Church and then the iconography and the hymnography. St. Paul writes, Stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. Now, this was before the Bible. So when Paul's saying, stand fast and hold ye the traditions that were taught, he's talking oral tradition. Now he may, at some point, his letters started to be read in church. Then those letters took on apostolic authority in a written form. But up to that time, he was talking about oral tradition. In other words, the apostles would go from town to town and establish churches and teach the faith, but it, would, it was almost completely oral. And they would ordain men to be pastors of those churches, and then they would move on, but they, they did not leave behind a Bible. <laughs> they didn't leave behind a catechism. They didn't leave behind a Bible study course. They left a deposit of oral tradition that was carried on, and they left, of course, the supernatural grace of the Holy Spirit. This tradition comprises the experience of the saints. It is an experience that has grown rich during the past two millennia. It is a rich and immense storehouse of wisdom and proofs of every truth in Holy Scripture. We must not cast aside or consider as a secondary source all the wisdom, proofs, and experience of the saints. One of the things that... As converts to orthodoxy, we have a problem that we that we carry with us is that we think that we can pick up the Bible and read it, and the meaning will be self-evident. We don't need to go to the fathers of the church to find out what what did they say that this means. That and that's just the default way that we think. And that really is not correct. We should read the Bible and, yes, believe what it says and try to understand it the best we can, but we should always have the mentality that someone in the church, one of the Holy Fathers, has commented on that scripture. And that Holy Father and those Holy Fathers together in harmony can lead us to know exactly what the scripture means. And this, this applies to all of Holy Scripture. Some Scriptures are very clear and, and easy to understand, and some are more, some are more difficult. No, but no matter what the Scripture is, we need to have the mentality that the church has the proper interpretation, but we need to find out what it is. So if somebody asks us a question from the Bible... We can't just go to the Bible and answer it for them. We can say, well, this is what the Bible says, but I'm going to have to go and check with the Holy Fathers and see what they said about this and find out. For example, i talk a lot about women covering their heads in church. There's so much disparity within Christendom about that practice. So how do you know what Paul really meant in the in his letter to the Corinthians when he talked about that so much so clearly? Well, we have to go. We can't just just make it up on our own. We have to go to the fathers, see what the fathers said, what the canons of the church said, what the iconography and the hymnography of the church might have to say about something like that. <clears throat> So we shall also, during this book, review many inspired writings and learn how the influence of the Holy Spirit came upon the saints of the Old and New Testaments. These God-bearers sought to serve God as special vessels of grace. They were constant in prayer and became dwelling places of God. Thus they were enlightened and anointed by God to prophesy, to teach, to compose hymns, and to paint holy icons for the edification of the church. I want to conclude with that point by make, making it clear that the Holy Fathers gained their knowledge of Scripture and proper interpretation not simply through intellectual pursuit, but through ascetic practice. They, they struggled hard they fasted, they prayed, they kept vigils, they suffered for the faith, they confessed the faith under, under persecution and torture. All of this produced purity of heart in them. We say in the Beatitudes, blessed are not pure in heart for they shall see God. The saints are pure in heart and that's how they're able to see God. They're able to see the Holy Scripture and know exactly what it means and how, how to interpret it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has descended.